0: Hello listeners, I'm Paul Dvorak, editor of a Wind Power Engineering Magazine. I'm on the line with Shane Mullins. He's the Vice President of Product Development uh, for an organization gathering and research firm, Industrial Information, in Sugarland, Texas. Now our topic for this podcast um, is the coming changes in the wind power industry, and in particular how conditions are likely to change for wind farm owners and operators. So Shane, let's jump right in. Uh, the Wind Rock's been growing well over the last few years. How is it likely to change?
1: Well, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, the, the the key issue for on the development side has been the lack of financing. And uh, there's been many projects that have been delayed or canceled altogether. And those that have moved forward have been scaled back and broken up in phases. In the wind sector, we've got some promising developments that uh, the equipment vendors are now being asked to provide financing, and they're doing so. Uh, but unfortunately, the demand for electricity is still low, and natural gas prices have remained low, which is affecting your sales pitch to investors, And it's also making it harder to secure a power purchase agreement. So uh, work's been cut back on projects, uh, and we're we're still expected to see a fair amount of work get uh, approved before the end of the year in the fourth quarter, taking advantage of the cash grants. Uh, The the Treasury cash grants has really been a a life uh, support for uh, project development over the past year. Uh, If if you're familiar with the cash grants, uh, construction has to begin on your project before the end of the year, and you have to spend five percent of your total capital cost before the end of the year, uh, and the project has to be online before uh, the end of twenty twelve uh There's been really a strong preference for the cash grants because it takes the risk out of the ten years of reduction required on the production tax credits.
0: okay, well you know a lot of the turbines are going to be coming out of a out of a, a warranty uh will the OEMs be able to keep up with demand for maintenance? Yeah. Actually,
1: OEMs have not been able to keep up for the demand for maintenance. They've really been focusing on new turbine installations in the past few years. Uh, we've, we've seen a tremendous amount of installations. Uh, in, in the last three three to four years, over 50% of the generating capacity that we have in the U.S. has been built. And uh, GE, Siemens, and Vestas, which have installed a large amount of these turbine generator sets, are, are outsourcing some of their operations and maintenance services already to third parties. Uh, this is the first year where uh, more wind turbines will be out of warranty than than in warranty in the industry in the US.
0: Will there be new companies doing this maintenance work?
1: Uh Yeah, there's quite a few companies that uh that are involved in, in third party maintenance services. You you definitely have NACE, uh, Wood Group, and Nexco, uh ATS Wind Energy. There's there's a, a, a whole slew of companies that that have come out uh to get involved with aftermarket maintenance. Uh I mean, all of them recognize that Over the next three- to four-year period, you're going to see about 8,000 megawatts worth of wind come out of warranty, Uh, the average warranty period being for these wind turbines being anywhere from two to seven years, depending on who the manufacturer is.
0: Uh, Okay. Well, this year probably won't set any uh, records for wind farm construction, but uh, are there any notable or significant events worth mentioning? Well, yeah. We
1: did see a huge drop-off in new construction activity over the last year, Uh, But uh, uh, in May, we saw 20 projects start construction over a gigawatt of of new construction activity. And this is really uh, 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 a breath of fresh air after seeing four months of almost, uh, you know, only maybe five projects start construction uh, in January and, and March, nothing in February. So it's, it's, uh, it's promising, and uh, again, this is really because of these cash grants expiring before ah, the end of the okay. year as far as construction kickoffs. So we, we expect there to be a, a flurry of activity before the end of the year on new construction. And uh, all eyes are, are looking towards Washington to see if they can extend the cash grant program in the, uh-huh. in the next
0: year. Say, so how will developments in China affect uh, developments in the U.S.?
1: Well, one one of the things that uh, that's happening is the manufacturing capability in China has is, is grown exponentially in the, in the last year, and and a lot of this manufacturing capability is expected to um, work its way towards U.S. projects eventually. And then, without the available financing and uh, uh, without the cash grants in 2011 and 2012, we do expect there to be a larger role from some of the Chinese turbine manufacturers Mm -hmm. in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, with with financial backing uh,
0: coming uh, How is financing changing the wind industry? Well, uh,
1: financing with cash grants has been uh, kind of a win-win for the industry. You now have 30 banks actively providing debt for wind projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, Many lenders recently have gone up from 40 million to 75 or 100 million per project. There are still several banks involved in these projects uh, individually uh but uh, the the cash grant itself has really enabled uh uh you know more players to come into the market uh,
0: other than those with the tax appetite mm-hmm. okay well, let's talk about the utilities for a little bit uh, how is their activity affecting the wind farm development uh are they holding back are they holding it back or are they pushing it forward
1: utilities uh without uh, uh really a renewable electricity standard coming from the washington uh, to force uh, uh, nationwide utilities to sign up, they're uh, d- d- in a waiting period. We've seen two years of declined uh, uh, electric demand, and uh, uh, some of the utilities are ahead of the game as far as uh, uh, new resource uh, requirements. And uh, with lower uh, natural gas prices, they even started to develop some of their own uh, natural gas projects in lieu of uh, new wind, which was actually more competitive than natural gas with the uh, production tax credit just a couple years ago. Uh, but uh, things have changed with
0: these uh, lower commodity prices. I see. I see. Well, how does the infrastructure look to you? Um, how will the state of the grid farm? Excuse me. How does the state of the grid affect uh, wind farm development? Is there anything positive there?
1: Well, that's a, that's a, a, another cause for concern. Uh, in West Texas uh, alone, we saw a tremendous uh, number of projects get on hold and delayed in the foreseeable future until some new transmission lines can come online. Uh, fortunately, in Texas, we have the Creative Renewable Energy Zones uh, project that's enabling a, a bunch of new transmission lines to come online by 2013, uh, which should, should bring some uh, some new wind projects in West Texas uh, in the 2012 timeframe. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, uh, you're really uh, dealing with wind projects that can be developed next to existing transmission. Uh, we've even seen a couple of developers build some of their own uh, transmission lines. Up in, mm-hmm. in Maine, you've got uh, First Wind. and next area in Texas and uh, as we wait on these new regional transmission uh, projects to to be ve- developed over the coming years it's 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 a real issue at this point so, since some of the best wind resources are, are in areas where there is no transmission uh, available uh, mm-hmm. and it's really that uh, uh you know renewable electricity standard that's that's going to encourage utilities to invest in transmission because it would pay for itself as the national RES would require all utilities to either secure enough renewable energy or, or, or accompanying renewable energy credit. Yep.
0: Uh, and what might give it a boost?
1: Well, we <laughs> electric demand uh, right now is expected to start growing again uh, at the end of this year or into 2011, and all, albeit at a much moderate pace than what we saw mm-hmm. in previous years, uh, uh, it's uh, right after the the natural gas construction boom. We had a lot of excess generating capacity in the U.S., and it it really only took three short years for electric demand at, at a one and a half percent growth rate to work off that excess generating capacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, if, if we could just see uh, growth return at one percent, uh, we could definitely uh, you know uh, see the kinds of uh, requirements for power purchase agreements continue, although at a at a, a much more moderate pace uh, without uh, some more aggressive uh, uh, you know, policies to encourage power purchase agreements from utilities for renewable energy.
0: I see. Now, you mentioned the yeah. federal RES and the necessity for it uh, earlier, but uh, what's the likelihood of it passing this year?
1: It's not likely at all. Oh. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really dead on arrival this year, uh, and it's unfortunate because really uh, without electric demand, you have to legislate. Electric demand from utility companies, and that's really what an RAS does. I see. Uh, I mean, fortunately for for the U.S., there's there's over 28 states with uh, noble portfolio standards, and there's a handful of them that are increasing their their requirements, like uh, Colorado and California, that are going to encourage uh, more power purchase agreements in those regions. But uh, it's it's really going to take a a national RAS to encourage utility companies in in the southeast region to to start encouraging renewable energy development where the best resources can be developed and that's that's really in the areas where there's no transmission